Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author on the Theory of D- uh, the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Join with me as usual, the, the host of the High Stakes DFS podcast on awesomeo.com, Neil Orfield. I, I caught up on the past two episodes of yours. Uh, uh, I, 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 it took a while and to get to since I was away for a week. And I expected oh, yeah. uh, expect a lot of shit talk from uh, Eric Bynfor, but he actually was said a lot of complimentary things about it. It really we, – we should have turned it into a roast. I feel like there's a very niche audience that would have loved it if we just roasted you for like an hour, uh, which did not happen at all. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the audience who would have loved that. We did disappoint you, uh, and we said only nice things about Blender. Right. The, the, part of the main conversation is like, well, how do you get a word in? On the, right. On the yeah, I figured Eric's an old pro. I mean, I, 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 you know, leading up to it, I watched a couple of your old episodes with Eric. I don't think I've seen all of them, but at this point, I don't know which of your episodes I've seen and which ones I haven't. So I ended up, I watched the last one, which was called Life EV, uh, which was, you know, interesting. Um, but he, I could tell like, he, he was he was a veteran at getting his words in. So I was like, I need to I need to take some lessons from Eric. I figured as long as I was doing the show and people might also enjoy hearing Eric's perspective there. Right, you got to you got to barge in, right? You've yeah. Gotta, you, like, I, I come from. And I know that at this point, I know that I need to barge in. It's just uh, there are, there are some weeks I show up and I'm like mentally ready to barge in, and there are some weeks that I'm like I'm kind of tired. And and you're talking about stuff that's a little bit uh, abstract or, or difficult to barge in. I don't I don't find an easy point, and I just kind of let it go. And I think that the audience is okay with that too, for the most part. Just hearing you go on about a subject that uh, you have strong feelings about, so. But I'll, I'll do my best to barge in when I can. It makes your job easier, I think. It does. It makes my job really easy. I can, I can talk as much or as little as I want to, really. Right. It, it's very similar on Roto Grinders when, like, there's a small slate, right? It's like me and Dean on Grinders Live early for like a, some four game afternoon slate. It's like, well, how are we going to fill an hour and ten minutes? It's like I'm on the show. It doesn't. It, yeah. Like, if you don't want to talk, I can talk forever. It's, it's that's that's just what I. It's do. It's funny. I. So I, I've done. I've started hosting some shows at Awesomeo, uh, doing some MLB shows, and I've done shows with uh, Terry McBride, uh, and we we always go long, and it became it became kind of an issue where they had to tell us like, okay, you guys need to shorten up and like finish on time. Uh, because we got to get the NBA guys going and he just, he has so much to say about every team. And then I did a stream where I hosted with Adam share and we, uh, it was like eight games. And I like, because I was used to going with Terry, I was like, well, this is going to be no problem filling this up. And I just didn't try to do any kind of small talk. Didn't really go to any high level stuff. Just like did the game by game thing, because I know with Terry, that's like, I need to like really speed it up. So I was doing that. And then we finished the last game where there were like 12 minutes left. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, I don't know what to do now. I just, you know, took took questions from the audience. You know, told a couple anecdotes, but it was like, yeah, this is a it was a different different experience with, with different people. And Adam is usually a pretty big talker, but I think it was because because he was with me and we don't know each other as well. Like if he's talking with Lawfy or Josh, I think they uh, do a lot of shit talking and shooting the shit, and we just didn't really do that much of that. So uh, yeah, it's definitely something. It's different with different people on the shows. Right, and you talked a lot about best ball uh, with Eric. Then you had they had Steve on the Colts. Yeah, uh, talking about you know him and Sean and uh, and Alex doing stuff behind the scenes at awesomeo.com. and sh- and obviously it's working out for Sean, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's working out working out for Steve too. I think I think they're both doing pretty damn well, and obviously Alex as well. Uh, but yeah, Sean has been just crushing everything this year in MLB. Yeah, I'm not from what I gather. MLB. I've 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 been debating 
I've been debating this for maybe, maybe three months on focusing more. Like it, it's one of those things where, where do as I say, not as I do. Like if, 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 if you, if you listen to the course, for instance, like the number, the, the two, the two biggest things, I guess, in, in DFS to be profitable is one, the number one by far is find the weakest opponents. So no matter, you don't have to be great. As long as you find people weaker than you, you're going to profit. But number two, and the kind of the point of having a tool like Roto Tracker, right, and, and, and studying your own play is there's so many contests available to you. There's multiple sites, multiple sports, multiple formats that you should allocate your bankroll and your volume to what you have the biggest edge in. Um, mm-hmm. And do you have to play every slate? Do you have to play? If maybe you're good at short slates, so you don't play the main slate. Maybe you're not. Maybe maybe you're not the best at late swap, so you play turbo NBA slates where you don't have to worry about late swap as much. Maybe maybe your edge is in showdown, so you just instead of. I mean, I know I know some people that are great at NFL showdown that don't even play the main slates on Sundays. They just yeah. I'm going to play all the showdown slates, even if it's only like a 10k prize pool. Because they're, they're running like six showdowns at the same time at one o'clock Eastern, and then yep. they just devote their they devote their volume to that. Even though I get that the bulk of people are playing, you know, yes, if you're going after the weakest opponents, you're pretty much playing the main slates. But it, it came down to like, for instance, the the thing that I have to weigh between each other, and it's very similar to, to what happened to me in like 2017 or so, because I started with just soccer. Right, because that's the sport that I knew, so I mm-hmm. learned most of the DFS concepts by playing soccer DFS, and the soccer lobby isn't big, right? You don't, you don't. EPL and Champions League, Premier League and Champions League are decent sized contests for soccer, but then you have these interleague slates, these these Friday showdown slates. Then in Saturday afternoons, you have the Italian league. You got <coughs> MLS. <coughs> Sunday, you may have a two game slate. And the thing that I was playing all of them, like basically because that's the only sport I was playing. So like any soccer slate there was, that's all I played. And then I, during the summer of 2017, like during the summer, soccer gets light. And especially back then where they weren't offering the international, uh, you know, the the world teams types. Unless it was the Euros, unless it's the World Cup, 2017 didn't have any of that. So there's few and far between soccer slates other than MLS, uh, which are very small contests. Then I'm like, let me let me play baseball, right? So I'll, I'll learn how to play baseball, similar concepts, and I learned how to play baseball. And now mm-hmm. the prize pools in baseball are much bigger than soccer. And then NBA comes around, and I'm like, why don't I play some NBA? Because soccer would only be like maybe three or four days a week, and then we get these short slates. And a lot of times they'd... It'd be afternoon, 2.30 in the afternoon, Eastern time. Slate's over at 5 o'clock, and like, what what else am I doing? So let me learn yeah. how to play NBA. Let me, Sundays, NFL, let me learn how to play NFL. And the liquidity in those sports is so big in comparison, yep. and so many more weaker players that's like, should I be devoting my bankroll to these three-game soccer slates where, like, the first place in the main GPP is $2,000? Where, right. where the cash action is mostly sharp, right? And I'm like, okay, let me, I'd rather devote my bankroll to, 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 to the major sports because that's where the money is. 
Yep. But now, now with all the formats that are out now and amount of contests that they offer, like I'm starting to consider the other side being that, like, why should I be playing tonight's MLB slate? Like, what, like, is there, if I were to choose between playing tonight's MLB slate or tomorrow's uh, uh, UEFA League international soccer <laughs> slate, should I be playing the soccer slate? Should I, should I, I mean, be, should I be should I be playing the the late baseball showdown slate instead of the main slate? Should I should NFL Sunday? Should I be playing the snake drafts, the tears Maybe. contests? I mean, I definitely so so I'm a big proponent of flash drafts, which they have in NBA and NFL, and I cleaned up doing that in NFL. I've, I've done that. That's the only thing I've done for the NBA finals is flash drafts, and I have not won, but I can see that the edge is still there because people. So so flash drafts. Are you familiar? It's, it's yep. like a multiple choice. And it'll be like, choose from one of these four, three players. And you choose one. And it'll give you a new set of three players. And oftentimes, they'll, they'll give you an, a multiplier, 1.5x or like, you know, 2x on on a really bad player, on a bench player, whatever. Um, but then the players will repeat. And I can see that there's clear edge because people will take, you know, Jalen Brown over uh, Clay Thompson in one, in, in one multiple choice. And then two later, Clay Thompson will come back up again, and they'll take Clay Thompson over Draymond Green or whatever. They, so they're so you can find clear advantages by just being consistent internally within your own picks, so that you don't need to find the thin outcomes where it's like Clay Thompson is outscoring Draymond Green, but also being outscored by. Jalen Brown, or I don't know. There's a lot of examples, but it's like if you are just internally consistent with your picks, I think that there's clear edge in showdown, and it hasn't worked out for me. But I think that uh, or not not showdown, in, in flash drafts, uh, but I think that there's enormous edge there. So I think that's an example of just the smaller contest types that people haven't really figured out yet, and you can make a lot of money just by. I think I think long term, it's it's a long term winner if you just. Uh, play intelligently just use your brain a little bit in, in being internally consistent um so yeah I, uh, but i guess uh you still want a target contest where you can have a real big payout right so that's uh i don't know that, well, that's, that's tough for me because I like like this is this is this is in my this is the thought processes in my head it's like i could play mlb or nba daily so we're throwing out nfl right so just yep. like the, the sports that happen every day when they're in season and I could play, let's say, for instance, I could play $1,000 to $1,500, $2,000, something like that, in those sports daily, playing primarily the large field contests, playing primarily the main slate, right? Yeah, I may play a 121 entry. I may play three $88 entries, yeah. But for the most part, it's large field contests. Now, what I've been doing is only playing on one site. So it's like, if I'm going to play $2,000 worth of volume, I could do it that I could play it all 2,000 on one site. I could play 1,000 each. What I found in in my in practice, it's hard for me to devote the ample time to play skillfully on multiple sites at the same time. So I choose okay. one or the other depending on the payout structures and, and, and stuff like that. So there's, there's, there's room for me to expand. So I could either focus on still playing those types of slates but playing less volume on more sites. So like, like the whole point of like diversification, do I, when I play one slate, my goal is to build plus EV lineups, but also I don't want humongous swings where 
I'm just taking us down. I'm fading the cores game completely in 150 lineups. And if it goes mm-hmm. off, then I'm dead. Like minus 95% easy. Yep. So I'll have something in there. Now, diversification methodology could be just in your the the sports and the formats and everything that you play. So let's say, for instance, I'm not I'm not saying that this this is the best example of what I would do. Let's say you foregoed playing the main slate in baseball. Let's say it's a normal size, 12 game normal baseball slate. But there's an eight o'clock four game turbo, and there's a four game 9:30 night slate or something like that. And then you also mm-hmm. have like a, a two featured showdown MLB. Now the contest size of those are smaller. So even if you play the main GPP in those, maybe first place is two to five thousand dollars. Maybe on the night slate it's a little bit higher, a little bit more top heavy. Maybe the showdowns. Maybe in showdowns you find that there's a, there's more weaker players that are playing like cash games almost. Maybe you could get two or three hundred dollars on a showdown MLB slate. Maybe two hundred bucks, and you're finding the weakest opponents there. And then you're playing three hundred dollars on the turbo slate. Then you're playing five hundred dollars on the night slate. Then you're also playing. Maybe you're playing the main slate on FanDuel. For four dollars an entry, and you're building one fifty for that. You're getting your two thousand in volume, but you're diversifying, like mm-hmm. by like it's like, dude, like in the turbo slate, on the night night slate, there is no cores, so cores doesn't go. It doesn't affect that slate, but on the turbo, it is. So maybe on the turbo slate, um, um, because it's such a smaller slate, maybe I decide to get leveraged by fading cores completely in that slate. Mm-hmm. Try to like hope that cores fails, but in my 150 set on FanDuel, maybe I do have 15% of cores, like it's all kind of balanced out. I'm getting diversification that way, yeah, rather than just saying I'm just playing the main slate and so be it. Same for say for NBA or like like in in soccer, like in, in on, on, an, on an NFL Sunday, maybe instead of focusing like and putting all my volume in the NFL main slate, I'm like, well, why don't I put 500 on the, the the 9 a.m. soccer slate. Let me let me look at all these showdown contests and see like there may be a game amongst the showdown contests that has a lot more options that mm-hmm. give me more uniqueness. And I go, let me target that showdown slate, this showdown slate, one of the 4 p.m. showdown slates. Play the afternoon slate for $800, but only play the main slate for like 1500. And yes, there's more work to do, but I'm just I'm I'm trying to just find the pat the pockets of edges that instead of just trying to find all the edge in one slate where mm-hmm. I'm not just reliant on like my Sunday is all based on the main slate. Like if, if I think that for your stated goal of making 50 to $70,000 a year and minimizing risk, this, this sounds like a good idea. Right. <laughs> like it's, this, this sounds like a great way to do right. exactly what your stated goal is for. If you're trying to make a lot of money, like a, a lot more, I mean, that is a lot of money, but if you're trying to make, significantly more money obviously you can't do that by finding those micro edges and, and diversifying like that because you need to be winning the 100 100k to first contests regularly and you need to be uh putting a little bit more risk in there so i think that yeah that makes a lot of sense for for most players uh and, and maybe maybe at this point that's where i need to be moving because i my downswing continues this year but uh yeah right, I, I think that's that what I'm, I'm bringing up my roto tracker because that essentially what I was doing my the first three years of playing DFS two and a half years. So if I go to if I go to my graph lifetime, like through 
through my like like my first big okay my first decent size win let's see can i can i find this i think in baseball or something like that i think i got a second place in baseball in may of 2017 i believe let me let me check the date on this right i don't know i've it's a weird problem to have. I have too many five-figure wins that it goes it goes off the screen. Uh, yeah. But I believe I'm just looking at my graph, like because that that would be the turning point of me like playing another sport other than soccer regularly. At that point, before that, I started in two that October 2015. But my first six months were mostly low stakes, like nothing that you could make a significant. You'd, you're not making fifty to seventy thousand dollars a year. Yeah. That, that level. But like at the point of May 15, 2017, before that 20K hit, it looks like, because I was in a second place in baseball, uh, I, my total lifetime profit was 53,600 bucks. And that was just in soccer. And yeah. the swings in soccer are not big because how much money can you play? Like you, you can't really go on that huge swings. And then if I continue that to my like first decent like these are no, these are all soccer wins. My first decent, oh yeah, ML, yeah. My NBA first NBA decent score. At that point, playing some baseball and still mostly soccer. Uh, Monday, March fifth, two thousand eighteen. My total lifetime profit was a hundred and ten thousand four hundred and forty four dollars. So that's about two and a half years of play. Right. And, and the first half, half a year could barely even count. Mm -hmm. So like playing at a level where you could possibly make that. I mean, that is, that's like $55,000 a year. Yeah. That's you'll take that. Of course it's a different time period. I that the game's probably, it is an easier. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yep. But then obviously once I started getting involved in the major sports, NFL, everything like that, I get these humongous spikes, right? hundred right. K spikes, 50 K spikes. And like, I would, I, I probably could never get up to where I am now you know, over half a million dollars, uh, without those. Yeah. But as you said, if my stated goal is, is just to make 50 to $75,000 a year, like there's a lot more options now than there were back in 2017, 2018. Yeah. Like showdown didn't even exist. Like, right. Instance, like, like, it, like some of these formats didn't even, didn't even, weren't even there. And I find that, that there may be more edge in those, for the risk to lower the risk of ruin to on a course of it. Like for instance, let's just get to NFL. Like we, I gave that NFL example before, like instead of putting like $8,000, $10,000 on a main NFL slate, like doing a little bit more work, putting 2000 on a main ML NFL slate, putting a thousand on the afternoon slate, putting mm -hmm. A th uh, 500 bucks each on like four showdowns doing a thousand bucks, maybe, maybe 500 to 750 on the Sunday night showdown, Monday night showdown, Thursday night showdown. That all encompasses one week. Try to get that eight to $10,000 amongst a lot of that stuff. Instead of saying, let me identify like, okay, there's a lot of edge in this main slate NFL. And if I don't realize that edge, you know, I, I could have a minus, 70% day. Yep. It's going to be very hard for me to have a minus 70% day playing eight to 10 different, different slates. slates. Right. Yeah. I probably don't have the up, the 
upside as much because I'm not playing as many lineups, not playing as much volume, you know, in the main slate NFL or even in the, the bigger showdowns, Sunday, Monday, Thursday night. But that's what I did before. I mean, I was never really a 150 player to begin with. So right. me, the difference between making on Monday night, instead of making 50 showdown lineups, I'm making 20 showdown lineups. I'm still trying to make 20 plus EV showdown lineups. I'm still building for uniqueness yeah. and like, like, I have no problem. If I, I mean, uh, building 37 way tie wins, I just lose. Like I, I'm not building for min cashing. Yeah. But... I think building, building plus EV showdown lineups uh, leads, has the biggest risk of ruin, right? Cause it's, Generally, building plus EV lineups, you're going to lose way more often than not right. in NFL showdown. So, so the more more you enter there, the closer you're, the, the more uh, your risk of ruin increases. Right, and then if I want to play like cash games or something, I like play tiers. Like that, yeah. there's, there's weak opponents that you could play in tiers. Like, like is it like this? This is more this is more of a psychological question. I think intellectually, we both know that that's that that's the smarter answer. But from a psychological perspective, yeah. isn't it one one of two things? One easier work wise to focus on one thing to yeah. just be like, I'm just going to play the main MLB slate today, and I don't have to do different things for different slates. And two, the psychological thing of like, well, the way that I'm going to be playing, like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be in contention for a hundred k. Most nights, there's there's not going to be those as much. Obviously, NFL showdown, MMA. Yeah. Maybe I play some golf showdown. Maybe I mean, like I I can expand to other things that I've not I'm not really regularly played, and just be like, can, tr- maybe this this is a better way to put it, Neil. Treat a day the same way that you treat a slate. In a weird way, like like it's it's Monday. It's mm-hmm. not baseball because it's in baseball season. It's just Monday. What is available on Mondays? Is is NBA going on to is the play NBA playoffs going on tonight? No. Is it? Yes. Depending on is there soccer going on? Is there a PGA showdown going on? Is there League of Legends? Who knows? I mean, who knows what it's what it is. But then treat the day as, well, I'm looking to get a thousand dollars of volume in play in the best places I can today. And if it just so happens to be all on the main slate MLB then it just so happens to be that. But I should be going through the lobby going, going, playoff NBA. Is it like, it, or do I, is there a draft version of this? Is that classic versus showdown? Versus, I mean, who, like a baseball yep. slate. Should I be playing the night slate? And, and one thing that I've been thinking about lately that I have never really tried to do is the the Kyle Dvorak approach. And apparently he's still doing it. They're chasing the overlay. I've never really gotten into that. And, you know, when, when I was running hot last year, I was like, I it's I don't think it's worth my time to try to do that. Now, of course, I'm having a losing year, and I'm like, maybe I should start trying to actually push some of those edges that are like the obvious edges. Like like chasing overlay is one of those that's one of the more obvious edges that I think day-to-day, look at the, the lobby five minutes before lock, and you can probably find some overlay most places. Am I am I right that that is still the case? Do you ever do you ever look at the, uh, the lobby leading up to lock and try to find overlay still? Uh, a little, a little bit. I mean, t- typically, like for cash games and stuff like that. Uh, I, but obviously that involved that involves a little bit more work. Now, yeah. I'm I'm saying this not necessarily because, like, well, there's 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 no 
There's, there's no edge anymore. I, I, we got to do something else. It's, it's, it's more of a, of a risk of ruin thing. Yeah. With, with, with me. Like, and right. My, my, my goal has always been stated, like not just the, the result-based goal of the fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars a year of how do I make the most amount of money for the least amount of work for the least amount of risk. Like those three, yeah. those three things. So like if, if those are the levers, right? I always say the levers of DFS projection, <laughs> leverage, yep. correlation. Maybe that's the leverage of playing DFS as, as a professional player of the most amount of money. Are you, are you, if you're, if you're, if you pull up that lever, most amount of money, you're maxing out the millimaker, right? You're, you're playing yeah. the highest level, largest field contest with the top heavy payouts and whatever. You're playing a large percentage of your bankroll, right? Not 20%, but I mean, a larger, you're pushing that up. You're, but the, the that risk lever is like way down. I mean, like, like you're, you're high risk, right? So the lever goes down yeah. if it's high risk, right? And then if you up out that risk lever and you go, I'm going to optimize purely based on risk of ruin, you're essentially playing like as many head-to-heads as you could possibly play on every slate you could possibly play. And if you churn out 1.5%, like your risk of going ruin or going broke are, are very low, yeah. extremely low. Right. But you're not, but you're not making the most amount of money. Right. Right. And you're spending a halfway decent amount of time. So now if you want to make the most amount of money with the least amount of time with the highest risk would be to just play the millimaker. Right. You're just, that's it. You're not, you're not playing a secondary slate. It's like, you're just basically because the least amount of time you're focused 150 max on a millimaker set and you're done. Or you're doing like the single entry highest stake stuff. Right. You're playing one lineup and you're playing in the whatever luxury box above, you know, the, the $10,000 con something like that. Yeah. But if you want to, if, if you want to do what, what I'm saying, if you want to like pitter patter everywhere, playing on three different sites like that, that the amount of work lever, that effective amount of time starts going up, even though the money is in the middle and the risk starts going down. So it's like, where is that balance? Right. Of, the amount of work that you need to do in order to get that, that money risk balance in, and it's all, it's all going to be, it's also all relative to the person. Right. Right. Like to me, sock soccer, I'm, I'm, I'm a good DFS soccer player. You don't just go, well, there's edge in the soccer slate and I know nothing about soccer. Now I'm like Kyle Dvorak, who was like, I'm just going to use awesome up projections and spit out, like a lineup as quickly as possible and just rely on the fact that these contests aren't filling. Yeah. So it's like skill wise, not so good, but if the rake is effectively negative, like as long as you have an average lineup, you should be able to profit somewhat. I'm not saying to get to that extreme, but it's, it's starting to get to the point where like, I think for my goals, that would be better the only the other the, 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 the other mitigating factor, Neil, is that how do I also do that with content? Because the, right. the thing to me is that like if I'm going to review an MLB slate, it's going to be hard for me to do that if I didn't play the main slate or I just played a showdown slate. If I like, like yeah, I, 
yes, the pregame show that I do, I I could do anything because it's a strategy-based show. You can just do fewer lineups, though. I mean, isn't this part of your approach? Is you're just going to be doing fewer lineups in all of your different entries? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, but that, so. that, that that's what I, that's what I've been doing anyway. Like for MLB yeah. tonight that we're playing, I'm playing four lineups, right? That's I'm playing the 121 and three entries into the 88, and I'm done. I'm gonna. Yeah. It's, it's only a six game and probably going to be a five game slate anyway. Uh, on the larger slates, maybe I play on FanDuel. Maybe I mean, I, I'm I'm already doing this to some extent by choosing where to play these things. But I've been I've been focused on on like I'm the type of person that I'd rather do one thing well than 18 things mediocre. And I've been using that to say, let me focus on a sport, right? So it's like tonight MLB. Right. If there's a soccer slate, don't worry about it. If there's a NBA slate, don't worry about it. Let me just focus on MLB as and go all in on that. Maybe I do play the night slate also, but at least I'm focusing on the on the MLB slate. Maybe I should mm-hmm. be thinking more in terms of don't focus on the sport. Focus on the where do I put my money, and be like, like okay, it's it's a it's a sad it's a it's a it's a Sunday, right? Because Sunday tip like Sunday during NFL season. Right, there may be an NBA slate at six o'clock. That is a five-game NBA slate. That maybe there's going to be overlay. Maybe people aren't going to be paying attention to that that much. Maybe I'm like, yep. maybe I put five hundred dollars towards that. And once I I'm done with my afternoon DFS lineups for the afternoon slate, I just go over to work on the NBA slate, right? And then uh, maybe there's a baseball. Like maybe it's September, right? Maybe there's an eight o'clock baseball game. On, on whatever, you know, the sun, Sunday night baseball. And I go, well, let me build one lineup into that and then find head-to-heads and find, like, just optimize that. And, and maybe I only have 200 bucks into that. And then I have the NFL showdown and maybe I have $400 into that. And then just focus on how do I break down my day rather than how do I focus on a sport? So I could look and go, well, it's Sunday. I'll wake up at 8, do the 9 o'clock two-game soccer slate. Once that locks, move over to the NFL main slate. Mm-hmm. And then at the NFL main slate, get that done. And then at 12 o'clock, there's two showdowns at 1 o'clock. Make my – and I'm because I'm not making 150 lineups. Maybe I'm only making five lineups. Maybe I'm only making one lineup. Do that, these two showdowns. Once, the, once 1 o'clock games lock, now I'm working on 4 o'clock – afternoon slate a one showdown slate there then the 6 p.m nba maybe think more in terms of that maybe i don't take on all of that maybe i'm like like if i'm going to play the eight o'clock uh mlb showdown slate and the six o'clock nba slate maybe i don't wake up early and play the nine o'clock soccer slate right maybe or vice versa like i kind of like schedule out my time and then focus on that like those are the contests that i'm focused on rather than say everything i'm doing is at one o'clock eastern and then the showdown slate on Sunday, because sometimes I get burnt out even. I'm just like, I don't even want to play the Sunday 8 o'clock showdown in NFL yeah. because I'm just I'm just done. Yeah. Like, if there's an edge, if I see on the 8 o'clock showdown that that the based on the player pool, there are going to be a lot more unique lineups available than normal. I'm like, okay, let me let me make sure to play that and not these. And do something. It's a little bit more work, but maybe there's... I can make just as much money, raw money, mm-hmm. for what my goal is, uh, and even lower my risk of ruin even more. But you're increasing your work a lot yeah, by I'm doing all these different slides. Right. Yeah.
Yeah. That could be an approach. I mean, you just said though that you you like to do one thing well rather than doing multiple things less well. So the the more sports you're doing, the more different types of contests you're doing, I think the less work you can put into one individual sport. Not that really, I mean, it's not like I put a ton of work into my MLB. I'm not really spending a lot of time studying the numbers for, for MLB. It's it's a pretty simple thing. So I think that it is it is something you could plausibly do, but theoretically I think you could focusing on on one sport is probably higher ev overall like the, the travis petty approach of like really focusing hard on one sport i think is probably more plus ev than trying to do bits of every different type well, of well, sport but, but and it, every different type of contest opponent, it depends on the opponents though like that's the main thing about like soccer for me like mm-hmm. i could focus on like when it comes like back when i was only playing soccer i was really focused on soccer but then we get some of these slates now that if i go in the lobby and I go, let me go to the head-to-head lobby. Let me go to the double-ups. And it's the same. It's a, it, There's no edge there. It's the same people. And I go, yeah, yes, you're right. I know the most about the sport in comparison, but in, in comparison to other sports, but not in comparison to my opponents. Right. What, like, in order for me to play a midweek interleague Friday something or other slate with two games on it, which is not a great yeah. slate to begin with. So, okay. So I think, so I, I understand your point. If these little, all the different slates you're playing are the things like, uh, things like the flash drafts or like the more obscure things that the pros don't typically play, then I think what you're saying makes sense. You don't need to really focus on one sport as much, but if you're doing all of the showdowns and playing the afternoon slates and stuff don't the pros play those more frequently like the the afternoon isn't that more pros than the main slate for nfl for example not necessarily not necessarily okay right i mean i mean what i'm saying is that you have to, you have to engage in, in much more work in contest selection yeah okay like on, so if you're like, taking like, the time on, to actually in nfl you don't have to engage in contest selection much you're playing the largest shit anyway right yeah. and then you could always go to the lobby and there's and if you're playing cash games, there's like 180 people listed at head-to-heads. You could post a ton and you'll get picked up by people you've never heard of type of thing. I'm talking about doing, like, I don't have to do that much work for a main slate because there's so much more liquidity. But for the smaller stuff, like, I'm talking about going in to a turbo NBA slate of three mm-hmm. games on a random whatever the hell day it is and go... Uh, before before I even build lineups, before I even decide to play the slate, that slate, and go, let me take a look at the head-to-head lobby. Let me take a look at the prize chart. Let me take a look at who's in these double-ups. And if I if I just see, like, just all the regs, I go, maybe I don't play that slate today. Okay. Maybe I check it later at, like, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And maybe I find a 109 head-to-head against someone I've never seen before. I'll go. I'll pick it up set a dummy lineup and go, okay, I'm playing NBA Turbo Slate, focused on cash games or something like that. But also understand that it's not just finding finding the edge. It's also the diversifying that edge. I don't mind play, finding smaller edges, having a smaller ROI if it's if it's spread out amongst eight different eight different slates. Right? Because you could do this on Yahoo. You could do this on mm-hmm. FanDuel, Super Draft. I mean it doesn't even have to be focused on one site. And then right. just decide on days what I'm going to do. Like, on, like for instance, on Wednesdays. And it, this doesn't have to even have to do... This could be around your actual life. Like you mentioned before, the life EV. One, one of the, the biggest... It's, it's, it's weird to say that 
over the past year or so, maybe eight months or so, I've been the least stressful I've been over over DFS in general. Mm-hmm. Even though I do go on swings or whatever like that, I haven't had like, you know, all a heater or anything like that. But like, I don't feel the need to play every day. Like, I don't feel like it's not like, I don't feel, have the fear of missing out. I don't mind doing other things. And it's weird to say, uh, it's all due to professional wrestling. <laughs> Just focusing elsewhere. Finding, finding your other hobby has been taking you out of the DFS stress. Right. But, but not doing anything. See, the, the weird thing is like my wife said, like once, once COVID hit, I had nothing to do because there was no sports and anything going on. So it's like, I haven't watched wrestling in 15 years. Let's see what the hell's going on. And my wife's like, like, once you start watching, you're going to, you're going to watch the normal, you're, you're going to get it. You're, she knows me too well. Right. If then once you get into a little thing, you're going to get into everything. Right. And of yeah. course that eventually happens. Uh, and then she got into it. Right. So now I she, saw you guys had a million pictures with right. every wrestler at the event. Right. No, she, she wants to get right. She's like, I want to get, I want to get, and she's my favorite. Uh, okay. Yeah. Right. He's, she's making <laughs> custom shirts or whatever. She 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 likes it, you know. I follow it more, but she watches it. But that's our. T- but to me, that's that's like our time together. Yeah, right? that's so, great. So it's like Wednesday nights. You know what you know what that means. Eight o'clock at night. It's AW Dynamite, and my and we're it's something for me and my like. It's having a life outside of DFS, and I don't feel yeah. compelled to do anything other than enjoy it as a consumer. Right. So it's like, I'm yeah. not starting a wrestling podcast. I'm not doing like, I'm not like other than some tweets or something like that, because I my I use Twitter as an entertainment tool. Right. Yeah. I promote some stuff, but for the most part, it's whatever the hell I feel like. Uh, yeah. Like on those, like on Wednesday night, it's like, no, I'm not playing. I'm, I'm not playing an MLB slate because it's, it's wrestling, but it's a great slate. And what it, like, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel the need to like, if I don't feel yeah. like getting up on Sunday mornings, I'm not playing MLB. I'm not playing the one o'clock MLB. Just I'm not doing that. But can I can I go from one end of the spectrum and be like, well, if I'm not going to play the Sunday one o'clock slate, why can't I play the Sunday four o'clock the the smaller slate later in the day? Why can't I uh, the Italian league two thirty? There's a three game soccer slate. Not much liquidity there, but why can't I throw three hundred, four hundred? But like, why 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 do I have to view DFS in in the fact of if there's no liquid, if there's limited liquidity, that it's not worth playing. That was my previous thing when I got from soccer to the other sports of there's so much more liquidity here. There's so much more money to be made here. There's mm-hmm. so many more weaker opponents here, possibly. Why, why aren't I switching back to the other side of the spectrum of like, why don't I just optimize my DFS play to fit around my life more yeah. as a priority Right. And then wherever it fits in, there's enough action out there. And I play most of the sports well enough that I should be able, if I wanted to play every day, I could play every day, but it would be on my, it would be on my turns. Maybe I'm just playing an afternoon NFL slate and that's it. Maybe I'm just playing uh, an NBA playoff, uh, NBA uh, like main slate on Thursday and then just skipping Friday. And on Friday yeah. I'm doing, I'm just going out. Like there's nothing but on, I think it makes I'm sense. going out on Friday, maybe I play the the showdown, the soccer showdown slate 
Friday afternoon at two o'clock or something. I've been doing, I've actually been taking more slates off as well. Just this year in general, I've been more frequently like, yeah, if I'm going out, don't really have time to make lineups. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. Uh, tonight, I might not play. I, I'm probably going to play some MLB. I'm, I haven't decided yet, but it is my dad's 70th birthday today, so we're going to celebrate, going out to celebrate. Uh, so this might be a night that I just decide not to play because uh, lock is going to be after we get to their house, and I'm not really going to want to be paying attention. So kind of depends on how many lineups we get out and whether I can can join later. But yeah, I've been I've been taking off plenty of slates this year, uh, and there's there's a small part of me that's like. Are those the days I would have won? Because because I'm on a downswing, I'm like you know the the irrational thing of like, am I am I on this downswing because I'm taking off the days that I should have won? I know that that, that doesn't make any sense, but uh, but yeah, in general, it's I think it's a healthier approach to only play when you actually want to play, have time to play, have the the ability to play without it interrupting the rest of your life. I think uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. But then, also, unfortunately, I can't talk wrestling with you. Right, but then I've also, never I've never watched wrestling in my life. But but the the, the second part is optimizing when the when, if you're going to do that, don't play just to play, play yeah. because it's optimal for the edge for what you're accomplishing edge wise. Like like it's weird to say, become an edge lord, right? <laughs> right. You just yep. I mean that's obviously not the that, what edge lord means, but I mean you're looking to to. To wake up in the morning, like, have, is it a, maybe a better perp? Maybe would it be more like treating? Is it more equatable to treating it like it's a, like it's a job job? Like, yeah. Like think in terms of yet tonight, for instance. Like before I go to sleep tonight, I'm gonna look at what's what is available to me to play on Tuesday. What am I doing tomorrow? Okay, okay, I got 11 a.m show for roto grinders and then i look and i go okay i got nothing else for the for the rest of the day other than that maybe 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 i maybe i i skipped you know and i need to edit this for tomorrow maybe or i release it on mondays it really depends but i put down whatever i need to do maybe maybe i have to go pick up groceries at 1 30 or maybe i have some appointment or something in my and i just look at that and the night before go okay let me plan out what's available to me what slates are available? Is there what's in all the sports going on? And then go, okay, I don't know where the edge is going to be in any of this type of stuff, but I know that I have everything kind of planned out. Like there's this available, there's that available. There's a showdown slate for MLB here. There's a soccer thing there. The, 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 there's a something, whatever, whatever the hell it is. And then just after my show at, at 11 o'clock in the morning, or maybe before, I do a quick check around the lobbies. Right and go. Okay, now that I what I know is available, is there anything that stands out? Check the head to heads. Check the whatever, and go. Okay, that looks like I'm going to lean more towards this today, but I don't know. Do the show, and then after the show, go. Okay, let me plan out what I'm doing today. Right? Am I okay? Yep. The 2:30 soccer slate. I'm skipping that. There's really not. There's really no action there. But but the the, the MLB main slate has a special five dollar contest on DraftKings for 100k to first. It's like okay, I'm going to play 150 into that. Yeah. Right. So that's seven hundred and fifty dollars worth of volume there. And then I go look around and it's the showdowns. I look around and be whatever whatever the hell's going on. And then I say like, well, if I'm going to play X percent of my bankroll as a max, doesn't mean it. I have to. I just allocate it that way and I just go okay. Well, if I'm going to play this late slate, that means I need to be ready from like an hour before this lock, an hour before that lock, and an hour before this lock. And then it's just like, okay, that that's my DFS play today. And then after all of that, I go, okay, what's going on Wednesday? 
What am I doing Wednesday? Okay, well, wrestling's at 8, right? Do I want to play the 7 o'clock MLB slate? Is there going to be... Are there too many night games where I'm too concerned that there's going to be some, some you know, yeah. cat lineups aren't out? Maybe I skip that completely. Or maybe uh, there's a... The NBA playoffs are at 7.30 or something, and it's like, well, I could build those much easier than the MLB lineups because I could just focus on that. Maybe I play 20 lineups into that. Maybe I play 10. Maybe the MLB slate, I don't play 150 lineups. and Maybe I'm just, I'm just going to play a one a $121 entry contest. Mm-hmm. And that's it for that. I'll build my one lineup for that. I don't need that much time for that. 10 minutes before. like, And just kind of go day by day and break it down and treat every day like instead of contest yeah. selection, it's almost like just kind of like like bankroll allocation selection. And maybe on yep. certain days you're just like, I don't think there's anything worth playing. I'm not playing. Yeah, I think this is. It sounds like a, a good reason. Is this something you're really considering doing? Breaking up your play in a different way? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't be talking through it if I wasn't. It's All just, right. it, to commit to that. It's so much easier. Right? Isn't it so much easier to just go, well, the main MLB slate is tomorrow. Like, I know it's there. I know what contests are available. It doesn't matter to me if if there's no teams that are over-owned. Like, if everything is efficiently priced and just like, well, what am I going to do? Not play? Like, right. well, the, that, that's stupid to think that way. The, the, the yeah. right answer is if, if, if you go into a slate and you're like, oh, the pricing is completely efficient and there's no bad players. Like, you're... Right. The correct move, yeah. like war games, Don't play. is not to play. Yeah. Right? But then you go into another slate and you, and you go, wow, there's like so much pricing inefficiency and the ownership is going to be condensing here where it's obviously not right, right? So 30% of the field is going to play Jeff Molina and I don't know why the fuck they're doing this, but there's so much edge here. Like, I, I, who cares about all these other small slates? I want all my volume here because I yeah. identify all these edges and then I still lose, even with Molina, like that 30-20. I mean, yeah, he didn't score enough points. <laughs> but that 30-27 yeah. for Molina, he walked he walked away when he heard it. And then he won. <laughs> I don't know if you watched MMA. I, I didn't watch it. And I, I tweeted about that. that I Because I had like 30% of his opponent and only like 13% of I didn't play a full one. I think I played 45 MMA I lineups. I saw you played 45 lineups. Yeah, so I I had very little Molita and had more of his opponent. So I was really cheering for the underdog there, and I tweeted that I, I didn't watch it, but I was furious because Twitter led me to believe that the other guy, the Zuma, whatever, had won. Zuma Gulov. So he was yeah, he Zuma was on the road to being optimal as a loser because none of the underdogs are winning. Yeah, but he he wouldn't have been anyway, probably right because no, there were no. Enough well, once Lucas Almeida mid range. No, once Almeida yeah. won, it knocked him out. But if if okay. Frazano would have won. The, the, the optimal lineup would have us 40 points, Zuma Gulov, assuming that another underdog didn't score more than 40 points, even in a loss. Right. Right. So some yeah. people were like, if I, if Zuma Gulov, they're showing me lineups with like 568 points with Zuma Gulov's loss going, going, the winner, the top lineup is 592. If Zuma, like, I would have won, like, no, everyone above you has Zuma Gulov because that's right. the only way you could make those lineups. So even yeah. if he would have won, you would have still been in 19th place. Like, if the, everyone above you has the same fucking lineup. Uh, uh, just yeah. a, a quick side note on uh, on the MMA stuff. Uh, I've been running, like I, I, I've been mentioning on, on the show for a while, run, coming this this theory, right? And, of course, my, my simulation methodology is not good. It's flawed, right? Because I'm using proxies 
to come up with mm-hmm. the points, such as the money line, the inside the distance line, uh, the the round one line, as well as a median projection, right? To, to account mm-hmm. for fight data, right? That type of thing. Uh, and I've tried, I'm trying to prove in some fashion that it's pos- it's it's possible that that lineups that are duped two, three, or four times, a lot of them are more have a higher expected value than the ones that are unique, but leave like two thousand on the table. Yeah, it, I mean, it it seems obvious to me that they they at least theoretically could be. I mean, not necessarily that they are right. in these contests, but like, obviously if you're taking six underdogs that each have zero, like very little chance to win, that's not going to be a plus EV lineup. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's obviously not leaving 2000 on the table, but it seems obvious to me that probably some of those are plus EV and, and more plus EV than the lineups leaving 2000 on the table. Right. Cause uh, but... I, I, it just like, like an NBA, for instance, it's very rare that you leave money on the table because salary is so so t- much tied to production, yeah. right? Like it's 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 ve- it's very rare on a full slate, tick a nine game NBA slate that the uh, forty five thousand dollar lineup. Like you'd rather just spend the money. Like even if even point per dollar wise, the players are not don't project as well. You'd rather have the raw points. Then leave five thousand on the table, right? Yeah. Uh, MLB less so, right? Yeah. But you can still, totally money on the table across all of DFS. Salary is still related to production in some fa- in in a, in a very very high facet. Yeah. That's why they're priced more, right? I mean, that's why the players are priced more. Assuming that there aren't like massive pricing inefficiencies. Jesse might disagree with this, but I but I think you're right. Right. So, like in MMA, I've looked through. Like this is because this this is how I started the journey of figuring this out. Because I see like players like Brian Jester that just 150 uniques. Like doesn't matter. Leave 2,500 yep. on the table. Just as long as he's getting uniques, he's fine. But a lot of times he he's he. It's obvious that there are more uniques available the more salary you leave on the table. Yep. Right. That's that's easy enough because most people use most of their salary, but there are uniques or less or more unique lineups that still use a lot of the salary on the table, right? Mm-hmm. So like obviously on a ten, let's say a ten fight card, it's going to be very hard to find fifty k lineups that are unique because there's just so few options that even make fifty k. Right. So on a larger card, there are going to be more unique more uniqueness in 50K lineups that are available to you, much harder to find because you're going to run into over 20s. You're going to run into lineups that are duped 8, 10, 12 times, something like that, but they are available to you. Mm -hmm. So, like, on this past slate, I played 150 lineups, and I was trying to optimize for that because it was a 14-fight card. I didn't do as good of a job because I ran out of time because it was a 1 p.m. start time. Like, if, if this was a normal start time, I would have been... I thought I I thought two hours would be good. Two hours... Well, I needed an, like probably another hour. So I, I kind of ran with my last trim and just ran with it. I ended up with 114 under fives, 44 uniques. Not the end of the world. That's, That's in general bad. decent enough for me. But I could have... If, if given another hour, 
I would have had probably 140 plus under fives and maybe somewhere between 55 and 60 uniques or something around there, which is what I was aiming for. But out of my 150 lineups, I had uh, 51 lineups that spent all of its salary that were under five duped, 18 of them being unique. I had 22 lineups that spent 49.9 exactly that were under fives. So like 73, about half of my lineups were under fives for two to four, you know, under four, one to four. And it spent 49.9 and above. Now, a lot of those combinations have low-owned fighters in it in order to get it like that. And if those and guys none of them did win, well this week. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the fact is, if I ran a simulation, and this is what I've done, is not based on, like, the lineups that I'm building, but just based on, sal- like, if I created all these lineups... And I, and I ran just based on win probability, round one probability inside the distance probability, and you add a little bit of, little bit of the, you know, fight data variance, right? Guys that win, when they win, they get a little bit more points. When they win, they... Jeff Molina, right, on a striking-based decision, ain't scoring 127 points unless, you know, UFC stats, you know, gives them a million strikes like they did two fights ago, right? And the, and the rest, like, someone like Evloev, like, yes... When he wins, he could score 130 points, like he did even in a decision. But when I run that, because the salaries are so tied to the money line odds, because that's how DraftKings makes the salaries, a, a lineup that uses most of its salary or all of the salary will almost always have a higher winning, getting six winning fighters into your lineup yep. more than lineups that leave. The more money you leave on the table, the less likely you will have six winners in your lineup. Now, at minimum, outside of the occurrences where no dog wins, you're going to need six winners in your lineup, right? So if you go by that, like 50K lineups outperform from a median perspective better than 49.9 lineups, better than 49.8 lineups. It's, it's, it's directly proportional. And... It, it, it's a it's a deep sl- it, it becomes a deep slope like if you track sure. if you ran this yeah yeah right like that, that makes between sense a 50k lineup just to explain it to the audience you get what I'm talking about uh, the difference between the win the the winning problem I'm not talking about winning a GPP probability but just the chances of scoring 600 points right because I, I always calculate how the chance of scoring 100 for each fighter the chance of scoring 600 points for a 50k lineup is not that dramatically higher than a fifty a forty nine nine lineup, which is not that dramatically higher from a forty nine eight lineup, and then it goes to a forty nine seven lineup. It's a little bit, not that dramatic, but a little bit more dramatic. And then once you start getting down to forty nine six, forty nine five nine, once you get down to like forty eight nine, now the gap's starting getting bigger, right? Because you're putting more dogs in your lineup, mm-hmm. and obviously it all depends on the 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 distance between the money lines of the fighters. But like 48K lineups, 48.5 lineups, have a dramatically different chance of getting 600 points with six winning fighters than a, 50, than a 50K lineup. So intuitively, right, just thinking of that, those concepts intuitively, of uniqueness affects your EV and win probability affects your, your EV also, wouldn't wouldn't it be intuitively correct 
that a unique lineup at forty at fifty thousand is way more valuable than a unique lineup at forty eight five. Yeah, in general, I would say so. Right. Regardless of the fighters, right? You could say, well, in that fifty k lineup, you're playing two guys that when they win, they may only score eighty points. It's like, well, that's already factored in the inside the distance, the round one. I know that, right? But if it's unique and it's fifty k, I'm more likely to get six out of six winners, and may, and the six the six hundred point probability. There may be some forty nine seven lineups, forty nine. There may be some fifty k lineups that have a much higher chance of getting 600 plus because of the fighters that are in there, but they're duped 27 times. Mm-hmm. So that, that distance between the likelihood of 600 points is, is destroyed by it being duped 27 times versus being unique. Even though you're relying on like two fighters in your lineup that have never gotten to finish in their UFC career, right? In eight fights or something like that. Yeah. Like, they're inside the distance lines are like plus three fifty as a $9,000 fighter, like that type of fighter. Uh, but based on the data that, that I've, I've looked at and simulated in that flawed methodology, like in a perfect world of building 150 lineups, I'd rather have a hundred and if given the utopian choice, I want 150 unique lineups that use the most amount of salary possible. Yep. The problem is, is that it's hard to find those, right? Yep. It's easier to find the ones that are lower. And theoretically, if I were to play 150 lineups that use 50K in salary and someone else uses 150 lineups that use 48.5 in salary on average, and we both have unique lineups, I should have a a higher ROI than that set of lineups. I would think so. Wouldn't that be good? It it makes sense. I I, I can't prove prove it. I mean, yeah, and and it's hard. Well, so I I have not uh, really studied Brian's lineups too much, but he I, it's not my impression that he's generally leaving an average of two thousand on the table. No, right? he's like, general. No, he leaves us like fifteen hundred. Does he really? Like, okay. Like I could I could look I could look right now at the last uh, contest yesterday. Uh, well, and, and as Brian said on on my show. Uh, he doesn't do well in the Sims, so so a lot of other people trying to do the same thing that you're doing. Right. He doesn't his his lineups don't grade out that well. They they grade out as being negative EV. Um, right. But then he's clearly winning a lot of money. So it's... to make right like it's that I'm viewing it the same exact way. It's just. A... But I'm but the thing the difference is that I'm not viewing his set versus in a vacuum. I'm versus his set versus another set that could exist. Right. Right. So like given that if you told me. For instance, that uh, Brian built 150 lineups that are average 80, 48, 5 that are all unique, and you couldn't possibly build any lineups that are unique at 50k or at 49. Like then, then his lineup set becomes better because uniqueness matters so much. Yeah. But I'm I'm comparing it to how many unique lineups are there at 50k? How many unique lineups end up being at 49, 9k? If you were to play 150 of those, would they be better than ones that have 49.7, 49.6, 40, you know, that type of thing? So if I'm going to the, let's see, uh, user unique percentages. Yeah, Brian had 150, uh, 129 uniques, 150 under fives. His average salary was 49.2. Okay, so that's only 800 on the table. Similar is 48.8. So if I just looked at uh, let me look at user court gestures. 
court. Right? Yeah, his most duplicated lineup was duplicated four times. Four, 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 three, two. So if I just go down to the uniques, just the ones, like 48 I don't know if I could look to see how many he has of each salary range in this. I don't think I can. But if I just scroll through, like I don't see 49, I see a 49-7 lineup. 40, I don't see, I don't, I mean, I'm already scrolling through a whole bunch. And I see, I see nothing at 50,000. Right. Yeah. I mean, he probably just leaves money on the table. 49-7. Uh, so, so one thing that Brian said on my show that, uh, that the Sims, he, he said that the Sims grayed out his, ne- his lineups as being negative EV. And he thinks that there are a couple of things that they're missing that they don't account for that he, that his lineups capture. And he did not say what they were. Do, do you have any, any speculation about what he thinks? No, no, uh, the I, Sims I, might I, be- I pretty much, I think I know exactly what he means. It's just, it's, uh, you're, you're not going by median projection by going through like how, how much does someone, does someone score when they do win versus just winning so right the, the the styles of the fighters matter so much more and that's not captured in median projections sure that's not even captured in the floor and ceiling projections on most sites either like it's dramatically okay. there are fighters that have dramatically higher standard deviations than what you'd you'd think but really? i can't but the thing is is that even though i'm you i'm using one of his metrics as a proxy yeah so like i'm doing my i'm doing my sims which is still, a, like I said, flawed methodology, right? It's not perfect. It's close enough, but I, I think, but it's not perfect. I'm using his, I'm using that. I'm okay. using that when this underdog does win, they score m- more than some of these 9K fighters. Mm-hmm. So having that guy and leaving 1,500 on the table becomes a much more viable lineup because when they do win, it's just that they win 27% of the time while this other yeah. guy wins 74% of the time. And even though 74% of the time their average score is an 85 or a 90, and when this guy wins 34% of the time, their average score is a 95 or 100, even accounting for that, the lineups that use most that, that use most of their salary are the ones that if you took away unique, if you... If you treated every lineup as it being unique, the fifty kit, the lineups that are higher salary are are win more often. If yeah. if you if you removed uniqueness altogether, so if that's the case, if you removed uniqueness altogether, and a fifty and on average, a fifty because obviously there may be some forty nine six lineups that are better depending on the slate, right? But the the that graph still remains the same with that 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 dip big dip you know that kind of slope down still mm-hmm. again even if you took away uniqueness once you add uniqueness that slope starts getting a little bit more even but it's yeah. still dramatic enough that if i could find unique lineups that use most of the salary that that set based on what i'm going through like will win more often mm-hmm. so if 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 i could make uniqueness a constant why wouldn't I want to find as many? If I, if you gave me the choice of just like, I'm going to give you 150 lineups that are all unique and they're 50K spent, why wouldn't I want that lineup set over one where it's like, here's a hodgepodge of stuff? Yeah. 
Now I want to talk to uh, to Nerdy Tenor again because I was going to say I'd be curious to see what his lineups look like if he's finding a lot of those. Because I would think MMA? is he even playing MMA? I don't. I I, I think that he at one point teased, I think last year when he did your show when he was on this show I think he teased that MMA was a sport that he wanted to tackle, but I don't think he has been. And I was just thinking about that. No, like, no, he was, the, he was he was in the cut. No, no, he's in. Okay. 150 lineups, 122 under fives, 53 uniques. Average salary, 49.6. Very sim. These are very similar percentage types to me. Yeah. If I take a look at his, uh, let's see, user entry investigation. Let me get here. Come on. Nerdy. Right, yeah, he has some like me, 25, 19, 16, 16. But if I take a look at all the way at the bottom, right, at his uniques, right? He has a, here's a 50. He has one at 45-7. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not going to, yeah, he has Menafield and six underdogs. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that's probably not a good one. And yeah, it's unique, but you're leaving 4,300 on the table. Uh, but he has some 48-8s. Let's see. 49 fives. I mean, obviously he's not setting some type of cap. He's doing like yeah. the salary. Doesn't I mean, it's, it's just what his Sims give him. 50,000, 50,000, 49, nine. So yeah, he has, he has a lot of 49 sevens, 49, six. He has a mix of everything. It's, he has yeah. some that are leave 2000 on the table, but he also has a bunch that have 49, seven plus 50,000. So I'm well. curious because so so just based on his methodology, the sims that he ran, my, my understanding of it is, you know, his lineups compete against each other until they figure out which ones win the most frequently. But then there's no there's no accounting for uniqueness in that process the way that I understand it. There's no like no, I would so I'm curious. He has to have something. I mean, he clearly that. does. Yeah, right. he definitely does. Because I know I, I remember him uh, looking through his NFL showdown lineups. He had one that used all the salary essentially and was unique. And I looked at it, it as because he had Equinemius St. Brown in there, and he who was a two hundred dollar wide receiver on the Packers, who like never saw the field, but he could have seen the field. So I, I know that he does have uniqueness in there. I'm just uh, it's something that I don't think we talked about when he was discussing his methodology for figuring out his lineups. Um, but I'd be I'd be curious to see how he chooses. Like maybe he maybe he uses the same methodology and then just chooses the ones that win the most money when they win from the wins that are plus EV, just in, in from a standpoint of winning most frequently. Maybe. But I'm saying, I, I mean, it must it must mean something. I mean, I'm just I'm saying this. I'm just, I don't know, maybe it doesn't. That it seems like he is optimizing more for under fives, mm-hmm. or at least the way that he's coming up with lineups results in more under fives than in uniques, as opposed to a lot of players that I take a look at user uniques percentage, and I see like Sassine, Courtchester's Giant Squid. And Van Hare, Need Lunch Money, Daladino, Hog Lawrence. Like, it's like all, it's all Jay-Z Rucker, Mr. Goodseats, The Mish, Sean Zan, right? But like Mr. Goodseats, for instance, average salary, 49.7. And he has 143 under fives and 83 uniques, right? Seems about right. At the top, like Court Jester's 129 uniques. Giant Squid, 129. Sassine, 132. And Van Heer, 100. Their average salaries are much lower. Yeah. <coughs> I don't know. I, yeah. if, if anyone if anyone wants to, to, to run around, that I, I talk about these things because I want people to reach out. I want, I mean, like you talked about with, with Eric. It's like, 
Yeah, I, I, I come across as like, like, this is how it is and whatever. And it's not. I listen more than than people yeah. think. Like, yeah, when yeah, on the show, I don't listen that much. Right. Right. I talk a lot. Yeah. But outside of the show, I'm listening. You're leading the everything. show. Right. Yeah. I like like what what is Brian saying? What is what is uh what is Nerdy Tedder saying? What is what are you talking about? I mean, yeah. What are you talking about in your it's, show? It's all interesting. Going, That's interesting. Yeah. Let me let me let me take a look at some of this. Yeah. And some of some of it I go, I, I think there's a flaw here and there, but some of it's like something we learned yeah there's something there's something that makes some some amount of sense here that maybe i can't do it the same way that they're doing it but maybe i could find a way to get there similarly uh and it just seemed from this mm studying this mma stuff that there has to be about like if you take it at its extreme there has to be a balance and this is for nfl showdown as well because we talk about in the in the regular slates, projection versus ownership, mm-hmm. right? There's some balance of like, well, why don't I just play the lowest owned lineup? Well, because it projects 110 points lower than anything else. Like, you just, right. it's not going to happen often enough. Yeah, but why don't you play eight bench players in MLB? Yeah, yeah, they'll be the lowest owned lineup, but when the hell does that yeah. ever win, right? Right. Or it doesn't win. It wins once every three billion years. It's like, which means you lose money because you're not getting everything. You win once when that happens, right? And it doesn't make up for everything. So if that's the case, when we think about main slates, just because we're adding this uniqueness factor to it, there has to be some extreme example of there that, because we see it in Showdown, Neil. Yeah. You can build a unique lineup using all the $200 players. Right. And it comes up as a unique lineup. You could build 150 of them, but you're like th- you're throwing your money away by doing. Are you using exaggerated teaching mechanisms right now? Is that is that what you called them? Yes. That was that was the title of the last show, right? Right. Yep. So there's a, there's an extreme to one end, using all the $200 players in NFL Showdown. There's also extreme other end of like using the six highest owned players, and one in captain that uses 49.5 plus. That's like, yes, that is the highest projected lineup. That is the most likely to be the winning lineup. It's also yep. duplicated 4,300 times that yep. it's negative. That's just, it's almost as negative EV as playing the one with all $200 players. Right. So there has to be a middle ground. So the middle ground can't just be building 150 uniques for MMA. And the and it can't just be building the 150 top projected lineups that are duped 20 times plus. So where is that? There has to be a middle. Yeah. There's and it's clearly different for other. MMA than NFL Showdown. I mean, I, I told you, I mean, you, we, we talked about this. When, when I started playing MMA, because I had a very successful NFL Showdown season this past year, and I left a good amount of money on the table because I found just looking through it, the lineups weren't that much less likely to win. When you, you could leave a good amount of money on the table, they weren't that much less likely to win in NFL Showdown just because for some of those players, especially particularly like receivers, sometimes the running backs, uh, there wasn't as strong of a correlation between salary and likelihood of you know hitting hitting a ceiling or hitting hitting a uh, an optimal lineup uh, than there is. But then after I talked with you, so so I started by applying that to MMA. I was like, okay, I'm just going to leave money on the table. Same approach to NFL Showdown. It seems like it's the same thing. You know, there's a lot of randomness here, and you want to be unique. Uh, but then you kind of convinced me to to come back from that in MMA that it is more correlative the the salaries to the likelihood of success yeah, in MMA, which seems showdown. to be the case. So like Neil, what I think that the two different that we're we're, we're confusing. Two different, two different things. Uh, 
in NFL Showdown, if in DFS in general, assuming some relative amount of efficiency, the salaries do equate to production, even if it's yes. marginal, right? So, sure. like having a lineup that has uh, the sixty-eight hundred dollar wide receiver in it versus the fifty-two hundred dollar wide receiver in it, the sixty-eight hundred dollar wide receiver typically may have. Maybe he has a one point higher median projection, right? One point higher range of outcome type of thing. Uh, yep. Now, let's say you have a lineup that spends to- a 50K total with that $6,800 player versus a lineup that is the same exact lineup, but leaves $1,600 on the table and uses the $5,200 player. The, the projection difference is a point. Right. But the first one may be duplicated 18 times. And the second one may be duplicated three times. So the one point in projection is not worth being duped 6x right. by playing them. Right. But if I were to tell you that you had a choice between those two lineups and the first one would be duped three times and the second one would be duped three times, mathematically, yeah, take- which is the better lineup? The better lineup is yeah. the 50K lineup because right. if you just even out the uniqueness – the one point higher projected lineup is going to, it may take you a large sample size, going to outperform the other lineup slightly more. Yeah. But I think, so my, my impression is that your likelihood of winning goes down much quicker in MMA. That drop-off happens a lot at a much higher salary point in MMA than NFL showdown. At least in, in my experience, you can leave a lot of money on the table in NFL showdown and still have a pretty high likelihood of success. Right. Whereas in MMA, that that drop off comes much quicker. Right. Based on based on what I what I've seen in that, but it yeah. still comes it still comes down to the the that your that that fourth lever. Essentially, we're adding another lever to DFS by putting that uniqueness lever there. So let's mm-hmm. use that example that I did with the wide receiver, sixty eight hundred and fifty two hundred. If one was duped eighteen times and one was duped three times you'll leave the 1600 a table and use the one that's duped three times. If they yep. were both duped three times, you'd use the higher one. But let, let's say the first one is duped four times and the second one is duped three times. Like right. what, what is, what, which one I suspect that the one extra dupe isn't worth the one point in projection. You'd rather play the, the lineup that leaves money on the table. Right. Yeah, Maybe. Yeah, it's much closer. Right, it's, for sure. it's much right. I'm yeah. just trying to scale this up and down. But let's say, for instance, the first lineup was duped 26 times, and the second lineup was duped 25 times. Now, for the amount of dupes that are already exist for those two lineups, the right. one point in projection, you might as well play the lineup that's duped 26. They're probably both negative EV, right? Yeah. But if you had to, the how much EV negative more negative EV is probably playing the one that's duped 25 times. That is one point less projected, right? Like, right. like these are the scales that you're looking that that you're viewing the lineups behind. So yep. when people are like, they focus so much on this one lever or the other lever, when it's a mix of, of all these levers and my, and from a, a pragmatic standpoint, you will find more unique lineups, the lower that you go down in salary. So yep. if, if, if you weren't adept in, in finding uniques that use more of their salary, you would be better off by saying, let me just cut this off at 49, five. 
Let me just try to find liners between 48.5 and 49.5. Make sure to, to not use three high-owned fighters in the same line who go max two. Right. You, now you're, you're describing my process. Right. Well, like, that's what I'm saying. I decided to play 30 minutes before the slate, and I don't have that much time. I'm like, yeah, right. this is what I'm doing. Right. Yep. So the blunt method of like, yep. where am I? We have all these buckets of marbles, right? There's there's a lot of marbles here. There's a lot like, where are the? We have all these marbles of salary ranges, and you go, well, in this in the 50k marble bucket, there's 300 marbles, right? That out of 10,000 that are, you know, uh, there's. 10,000 red marbles and 300 of them are blue. The 49.9, there's 10,000 marbles and 350 of them are blue. Then we get down to the 49,000s and it's 10,000 marbles and 9,000 of them are blue, right? It's like, well, if I'm prioritizing making sure I get blue marbles, like, and I need to pick 150 of them, why don't I grab the 49,000, like, like if I just take up my hand and grab into the fifty thousand, it's quite possible. If I'm taking twenty marbles, I may only get two blue marbles yeah. out of that, right? I'm not sorting through and seeing. I'm just grabbing like that, and I'm grabbing like this. So, uh, with the amount of of edge there already is in MMA, you could still be profitable by just going. I don't even have to optimize by any type of win probability or anything that there are still too many duped lineups in these contests that just finding 150 uniques simulated over the course of your lifetime makes you profitable that you know right. whether or not they're 48 fives or 49 nines or what salary in that difference that slope on that graph just doesn't matter enough because there's still way too many dupes People are still yep. playing lineups that are duped. Like I could look, I could look here on this past slate, the most duplicated lineups, 175, 63, 52. This is a 14 game slate, 14. Yeah, right. Slate, right. So 51, 47, 46. I mean, you could go down. I mean, I mean, I'm, I've already gone down there. There are, there are 60 lineups that were duped 25 or more times. Jeez. Right. So if you, on average, if they're duped on average, like let's say 30 times, 30, 35 times, 60 times 35 is like what? 60 times 210. Yeah. Yeah. 2,100 lineups that are due that much. And if we go to like, just, uh, let me go to, how am I going to find this? Just lineups that are due 10 or more times, right? So 10 or more times. I'm just scroll. I'm just scroll. Okay. Let's get to what page am I on? 43, like 42, like 42 times. There's 420 lineups about, right? That are duped at least 10 times, right? So on average, let's just say it's 15, right? To count, because there's a lot more 10s than yep. 11s. So 420 times 15 is 6,300 lineups that are, that are, if you were just to rawly say, we're just like, these are negative EV lineups, right? Yeah. 6,300 lines out of 31,000, right? There's like 31, 6,300, 31,000. That's a little over 20% of the contest. If I would have yep. told you in DFS that there's more than 20% of the lineups that are just dead to profitability, wouldn't, I mean, that that's past the rake. Yeah, I mean, like, wouldn't you want to be playing those contests? Sure. 
and because and because of all of that duplication, the the set that Brian's playing, leaving more salary on the table than I am, getting more uniques, but I'm getting more under fives. Maybe his the the EV of his set, maybe his EV and my EV maybe are exactly the same. Could be. two different me- methods of doing so. Yep. I'm just focused on can I that that those 300 marbles in the 10,000. I'm trying to find 150 of those, right? Yeah. I'm trying, and 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 I'm going to miss a lot of times. I'm going to get, sometimes I'm going to get a lineup that's duped 24 times. I'm going to get a lineup that's duped 13 times in the process of doing that. While his process, he never gets, to, like he's almost always going to get 100, near 140 plus uniques. And because of the amount of duplication that, that, that's, is that may be the reason simulation wise why his lineups don't show plus ROI because, I mean, are they simulating the contests? I, I just... I assume there so. There has to be a read like that. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to... I'm racking my brain on that I, I can't... I can't accept the fact that other people's simulations has Brian being a negative EV player while he's playing 150 uniques. And it seems so intuitively obvious why he should be plus EV. Why is he play Like, like if I, if you just ran a simulation based on uniqueness, he would win too often and win solo that yeah. he'd make up for the fact that a lot of times his lineups just don't, just don't have enough win probability from a six fighter perspective to get there, but he wins often enough a hundred K solo. Like it, I can't like, why isn't a sim? Why isn't a sim covering that? Because I'm using one of his proxies. Yeah. It's his occupy fantasy index. Mm-hmm. That is dramatically different than a median projection. And I'm using that. And that slope on that graph definitely starts coming much more, much more even. It is still a hump in the beginning. There's still, I I still admit that, that I finding uniques that are higher salary are much more valuable, but yeah. his lineups come up significantly when you do it that way. And, and yes, if you, if you took out his, his occupy fantasy index and he just went by median projection, his lineups would rate out as poor. So like to sure. me, if, if I'm, if I'm running, cause I, 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 I ran it based on just the betting lines and his lineup's right out poor. So I'm like, let me add the median projection to this to give some weight to fight data. He still rates out. It's a little bit better, but it rates out mm-hmm. as poor. But once I put the Occupy Fantasy Index on it, his lineups start coming way up. But are still, as a set, if I were to choose 150 unique lineups that spend 49.9 plus or 50K, they would be better than his set. Huh. Interesting. So... Now I'm curious about uh, maybe maybe it's his qualitative analysis. He he did a whole uh, he talked a lot about qualitative versus quantitative analysis, and I would assume his qualitative analysis goes into that Occupy Fantasy Index. It should. I mean, that's I've been I've been testing that as a proxy, and it's the best proxy I've found to fight data. Like I've I've racked my brain after doing just with betting lines and seeing how flawed it is when I'm I'm obviously getting more KO knockout artists and not wrestlers and that's odd that's intuitively wrong it's like well just any slate that marab is on i'm barely gonna have him because 
His inside the distance is plus 400, but it was going to score 168 points in three rounds anyway. Like, there has to be some weight to that type of stuff. And I yeah. tried to do it with median projection. It's just not weighted. Enough. It's just that it's, it's too normally distributed. And these fighters are nowhere close to normal distributions. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how, I, I'm going through all this. The fight data, there's so much noise, small sample sizes. Like, how, this, does, I, this can't be trustworthy. And then I ran the, the Occupy Fantasy Index and, and to pass slates and whatever. And that was way more correlative than any of the other fight data. So it's like, I found, I found my proxy. I found my, like, like if this guy wins, how much they score type of type of thing that weighs into all of it. So that's what I'm using. That's what I'm using to simulate. That's what, that's what I was using to simulate that stuff. But I still, you're doing some, some great advertising for, for a website that neither of us work for. Right. Well, for (laughs) MMA, it's well, cause it's a, it's a metric that only, only Brian has. I, yeah, yeah. dude, Brian was on the, on the, dude, I interviewed Brian on the show and literally I said, I mean, I, I, yeah, I yeah. said this, uh, is that the be all end all? No, it's just like, it's something that it's something there that takes into account all this type of stuff. And when I throw yeah. it in, it's the only thing that when I throw in makes Brian's lineups plus EV. It's interesting though. That, so, so you say they're plus EV, but they're still not as plus EV as they would be just using, his metrics, but you spending more of the salary. That's right. uh, that, right. that, so I'm curious why he's, that's the argument that we're talking about. We're not talking about yeah. whether or not he's profitable, whether or not it's, it's one verse. It's that the hypothesis we're, we're, I'm trying to prove here is that all things being equal, would you rather have on average, would you rather have a 50 K lineup that's unique Versus a 49-9K lineup that's unique. Versus a 49-8 lineup that's unique. That's a four, like down down the spectrum. Now, obviously, the fighters are different. That's why we say on average. A 50K lineup where you're using the $9,100 fighter. Let's say you're using the $9,100 fighter in a 50K lineup that's unique. But the $9,100 fighter is, is plus 350 inside the distance and has a poor. Like when he, he wins a lot, but wins with 80 points a lot. But the $9,000 fighter underneath them, leaving an extra 100 on the table, is like plus 105 inside the distance. And when he wins, scores 105, 110 points. And that 49-9 lineup is unique also. Like, that 49-9 lineup is actually better than the 50K lineup. But, like, on app, you can't go, that's on maybe on a specific slate, but think in terms of 100 slates. Just, like, mm-hmm. on average, the higher price fighters are going to have higher inside the distance lines, higher ceilings in general. And they're going to win more frequently in general that just as a general concept, like it to me, the, the hypothesis makes sense that you'd much rather, given the choice, have the, have the higher salary lineup that's unique versus the low. Yeah. Now, scaling that, the next step is, would you rather have the higher salaried lineup that's only duped twice versus the right. 48-5 lineup that duped once? Now that's now now we're getting into that balance of like what's now we have to factor in that that Brian Jester in particular hates dupes. Gets furious when he sees people with duplicated lineups. So I think so he prefers the the uh slightly lower chance of winning, but uh, or or maybe much lower chance of winning, but but unique. But I'm um, not saying that that's I'm, I'm joking, but he the, the, yeah, the yeah, point, yeah. The point, the point, the point I'm making is that it's it's very similar to any other any other sport we play. Yeah, like when I do the pregame show, 
and there and people will show me. It's like, uh, can you take a look at my 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 twenty max lineups from yesterday? Can you tell me if they were plus EV? And I played this late. And I looked through their line and said, oh, they look pretty good to me, right? It's like you just you yeah. know obviously this team didn't score well, but they were under own. Like I looked through them, I go, these are fine lineups, and it's like. Yeah, and they're like, well, my lineups don't look anything like your lineups. It's like, do you know how many p- possible plus EV lineups there are, right? Yeah. In a, and on twelve game MLB slate, I mean, like it's it's ridiculous. There's it's a like, lot. Like there's there's no like like all all you have to make sure is like don't play the highest owned lineups and don't play the lowest projected lineups and correlate, and you're gonna find tons of I mean tons upon tons of lineups. And MLB and the amount of variance there is in MLB, the differences between fifty thousand lineups could be nothing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like as long as you're not making mistakes, you have competitive lineups that are probably plus EV. So, like from a from a Brian's perspective, is that the state of MMA contests the way they are? Him just focusing on that uniqueness is profitable. Right. And it and I can't I can't see how it's not profitable. But mm-hmm. let's just for instance, well like like he's mentioned on your show. Like what if what if people find this stuff out? Right? More? Right. And let's say you add let's say we add, for example, fifty more hundred and fifty maxes into this. So that would now we're adding another seventy five hundred lineups. Yeah. And they're all building lineups that are forty nine K on average sat like down there. And next thing you know, Brian Brian's looking at lineups that, like, out of his 150 lineups, 109 uniques, right? He's still fun because there's still tons that other people have. And all these people are playing, you know, lineups that are 49-3, 40, like, all these types of things because they're leaving salary on the table. Well, is at that point, isn't it more profitable to find the ones that are 50K? Right, because now, now you're now now you're going to that that marb that jar of marbles that normally had nine thousand blue marbles inside of the ten thousand marbles, and now there's right. only five thousand marbles. Like now, but that but the 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 fifty thousand bucket that has ten thousand red marbles still has the three hundred blue marbles. It just turns right, right. out that all these people are hovering around these these the the forty nine k lineups, and like I'm just sitting yeah. over there going, I'm plucking out these over here, like. I don't know. Someone email me, like Jordan at theoryofdfs.com, or, or or tweet me. Like it, it, it seems to me someone must have data or some something. I don't know. I've looked at this, just that I have no other way of simulating this other than using the betting lines as I'm not I'm not simulating range. Like if someone wins in the first round, they scored ninety to hundred points. Like they, mm-hmm. I'm not running like fight punch by punch type of thing or anything. Just like, how often does this score, how often does a KO happen, looking at the betting line and just saying, it's this happens 18% of the time, this happens X percent of the time, it equals 100, and just run it for all these at the same time for these lineups and just going ding, 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 ding. And it just comes out that the more money, the higher salary fighters, assuming that it's efficient pricing, because obviously we mm-hmm. get slates sometimes. A replacement fighter, next thing you know, the $7,300 fighter is minus 300. It's like those yeah. are the slates where a forty-eight-three lineup has about right. as much win probability as the fifty-k lineup because obviously you have one extremely mispriced fighter. Yeah. So like that's why I said on average. So like it 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 makes too much sense intuitively to me that 
I'm still going to bang my head about it. I mean, I'm not going to proclaim that I'm right. Yeah. But I'm still, I'm still, wor- I, I'm working, I'm, I'm actively now trying to disprove myself. Like that's, I'm at that point. I'm at the point where. I think you're right. There's, I think there's that nothing for me. It sounds right to me. anything more. Yeah. Blender, uh, b- before, I think that you're uh, sounding like you're going to wrap up the show. But first, I just want to get your take on the, we seem to be moving toward flatter payout structures in MLB. Uh, I, Isn't this your dream? Haven't you been wanting flatter payout structures? Oh, now, now that I want to play different sports and different everything. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Is it is it, is it flat today? I actually haven't looked at it today yet. Well, I saw 50K to first, so probably not. Right. Well, I mean, that they do it about once in a while. Been. I mean, I, I know they do it once in a while because the one MLB the, the win that I have for two years ago was on the day they made it flat. Now, it looks like, well, let's see, 50K to first. 2015, 10, 7. Yeah, 15 to 3rd. No, but still 10, I, a thousand a 10th. It's not, it's, it's yeah. a little bit better, but I mean, I'd much rather. I mean, we've been speed. seeing, we've been seeing 50K to 1st, 10K to 2nd frequently. So right, right, right. It's at least flatter at the top. Right. But I prefer to be 30,000 a 1st, 20, 30, 20, 15, 10, 7,500, 6,000, 4. Like, I want that 10th, if 10th place could be $2,000. Yeah. Like, That'd be nice. like kind of like a 10 to one. I want, I want 10th place to be 10% of first place like that. If you could scale first to 10th that way, that, that would be, that would be my favorite, but uh, I'm pretty happy with this. So this, this looks, this looks pretty good to me in general, much better than it has been recently. But I mean that they're exper- they experiment with stuff all the time, but uh, yeah. I think they should, they should have been doing this type of stuff a long time ago. Right. Yeah. Especially in MLB. I think that, you want people to keep keep account balances, like it it it, it just True. makes no. It the data they showed me. I I I, I, I was having a conversation on Twitter about this, with uh, with Jesse and someone else or whoever I don't know with Nelson I think. Yeah. Uh, that I I was told that the data shows that the larger the first that people look at the first place and that drives participation. I believe it. Right. So they make 100, 100K to first is better than 50K to first. And the difference between 40K to first and 50K to first, there's, it matters. 50K, the higher it goes, the more participation you get. Uh, but that doesn't take into account, uh, like, yes, you get more participation, but how does that affect you? Retention. Uh, right, retention long term, like a year yeah. from now, two years from now. Because what ends up happening, you get one of two things. One, the, the bigger, the, the top, more top-heavy the payout structure is, the more it benefits sharp players, okay? I've never disagreed with that because sharper players tend to build more for win equity versus min-cash mm. equity, and so many bad players play too chalky, play too, too like that. Uh, so it benefits. The problem is, is that you may die 14 times before realizing your EV. Like that's why, right. like to a sharp player, EV wise, it's better. Yeah. But as far as like being able to risk of ruin, it's you may you may never get there, right? Yeah. Yeah. 90% of the lobby goes broke. You could be the best player in the world, and 90% goes bl- broke by the time they they have enough profit to to make up for that, right? Yep. So that's how it doesn't benefit sharp players if you're worried about risk of ruin. Uh, and then, so when a sharp player wins 100K to first, most likely it stays in the ecosystem, 
but it's all you're you're basically extracting a ton of money from bad players all at once, right? Yeah. And you don't want that to happen. You want them to go broke as as, as slowly as possible, right? And then if a if a casual, if a recreational player with one lineup wins a hundred thousand dollars, do you think they're putting that back in the ecosystem? Some, some might. Some, but I think a lot withdraw ninety five thousand dollars and yeah, and go off and True. say I got five grand to play with type of thing. So that's coming out True. of the ecosystem also. Yep. Uh, it's perfectly fine if your acquisition exceeds your your churn. So like 2015, 2016, 2017, they're putting spending billion dollar on commercials. They're get generating all these new users. The new users come in, they go, I want to win a million dollars. I'm going to play a million Millie Maker, right? And then they they oh, I don't want to play this contest for 10k to first. I want to play a million to first. Oh, oh, I'm going to play NBA. Oh, they don't have a million to first in NBA. I'll play a hundred thousand's good, but not ten thousand, yeah. not twenty five thousand, but a, a hundred sounds good, right? And here I'll build my one lineup, my two lineups. When you're getting people in the door, putting in a hundred dollar deposit and playing two lineups for 20 bucks or something like that. And, and they're coming in. And when that guy is like, well, I'm not going to deposit for another month. You're getting three more guys to replace him. Right. right. Coming in the door. Right. So it's like those new, the new three people are like, I want to play a hundred thousand the first, right. Yep. All that type of thing. But what happens when the net is the, is negative, when there's more people leaving when the account balances are going down then you could take in and being that they're focused so much more in sports betting now that the new user acquisition for DFS is, is much lower. Now they will promote the fact that their daily active users have grown year over year, which is true, right? Mm -hmm. From a day, from a daily perspective, but I, any metric could make it sound one way or the other. Sounds good. Sure. We had, 300,000 daily active users. Now this year we have 370,000 daily. But what, what, what counts for a daily active user? Someone signing on and entering a contest. Yep. Right? Now, your, your, you count for one, I count for one, and Joe Schmo down the street for $3 counts for one. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, there are a lot more Joe Schmoes than us. Yep. But they're not all playing regularly. So Joe Schmo 1 plays on Tuesday and then Joe Schmo 2 plays on Wednesday. Joe Schmo 1 may not play again for three weeks, right? But there's enough Joe Schmoes that they come in. But if you're not getting new people in, those Joe Schmoes are going broke quicker. Yeah. And instead of playing once every two weeks, they're playing once every three weeks, once every yeah. four weeks. So you have a lot more raw users. So like on a daily level, there are more individual people playing but they're playing less often for less money. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so how, how do you, how do you, how do you survive an ecosystem with a 15% rake when there's less new user inquisition and people are going broke quicker playing less often for less, like you can't have hundred thousand for, you can't jet all this money. You have to yeah. make sure that people get something back more often in order for them to play longer. And, Yes, their data from 2017 shows, well, 100K to first fills our contest better. And I, I I, asked them, I said, well, what happens five years from now? Like, and they they, they assured me that they're a data-driven, they, it's the company line. We are a data-driven company and we take all, trust me, we have the smartest people. 
whatever. And me, I'm like, I don't fucking trust anything. You fuck. I'm yeah. pointing out flaws, right? Like, dude, like what happened? Take, like I asked. I mean, they never gave me an answer of like, if you take away user acquisition completely, what does it look like five years from now? Because I'm using that extreme teaching mechanism of like, mm-hmm. like, yes, it looks like this when you're getting three more people in for everyone you lose. But what happens if there was no more people? Right. The birth rate went to zero. Right. And we started today and there's no more new users. How long how long would these contests last? How how long would you last? 100K to first, top heavy, garbage pay, you know, that type of stuff. Compared right. to flatter up top. Compared to maybe the min cash line is 2x and you pay out the top 18% versus the top 26%. Mm-hmm. And maybe you pay up the top. 30% and bid cash is 1.25x. Yeah. Like what is the de- like taking away new user acquisition? What does that look like? And I never I never got a cuz that would that I kept on I my pushback was it's going to look like this when you when there's more people coming. Yeah, sure. What pizzas are selling? You, you open up a pizzeria. Like well the pepperoni pizzeria, the more pepperonis we put on, the more the more people are going to like yeah, because you're getting more people in, in the door. And so there's more like, oh, I want as much pepperoni as possible. And next thing you know, you know, half your customers are vegans and they're not going to eat. I mean, like, you don't, you don't know what, I don't think there's a very good example, but the pepperonis don't. <laughs> they die, you, you give them the big steaks, people come in, but then they die of heart attacks. So then, I don't know. Right. Something that's where like, I thought you were going with that, maybe. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just something like that. But that, that that's my take on the matter. I don't think DFS is going away or anything, but the, the, this is what they should, we wouldn't, I think the DFS economy, the ecosystem, which I still think is perfectly fine now. It's, it's, people are, the sky is falling. It's not. Uh, the DFS ecosystem would be a much better spot if they were, had flatter payout structures from the beginning. You could yep. use the Millie Maker for NFL, great marketing tool. Great. Yeah. You want to run a Millie Maker for PGA, for the majors? I get it. You want to run it once a year for the other sports as a special or something? I get it. They're, they're marketing. But from a day-to-day basis, I think 50K, 50K versus 100, like you shouldn't be paying more than 20% of the purse to first place, right? Yeah. Like you should, like if, if anything, 10% to first and 1% to 10th. And that should have been the standard. And then... The top heavy ones are the the specials. It shouldn't be the other way around. And I think had that been from the beginning, like I think there'd be way more DFS. I think the lobby we'd have more people playing DFS than than more raw people playing than there yeah. were, rather than people that deposit two two hundred three hundred bucks and they're like, yeah, this this I'm I'm not playing this anymore, right? This is yep. right, and they or or people that play somewhat regularly. They work, they play, they lose, 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 lose a little, win a little, win a little, win a little, lose a little. And then finally they have a really good day and they come in sixth place for $700 when it's right. 50K to first. And they're yeah. like, dude, I beat 31,000 people and I got like 70X on my money. I'm just going to yeah. fucking make eight game fucking parlays. Because yeah. now this is, this is, this is stupid. Yep. Right. But if they would have won, if they would have won 
4,000. And you love it. Right? Yeah. And it was flatter yeah. up time. They'd be like, okay, that, that, that seems pretty good. You wouldn't. That makes sense. Yeah. Scarred or anything. That, yeah. That's kind of the point. And I think yep. it'll be much more sustainable for everyone long term that way. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's what they're, maybe that is what they're shifting to. I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Look, it's been, I mean, even today, that is flatter than it's been. It seems like they might have had a little change in mentality. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Dude, I don't know for sure either. The, dude, dude, Neil, this is the company that we all know. We all know whoever works at DraftKings on the weekends, uh, they obviously have the janitorial staff in charge of their product. Because Interesting. Well, you, you have to notice that, like, any Monday NBA slate with injury news has never, the, the pricing, we know the guy's out on Sunday. And then Monday comes around and the backup point guard is still 3,000. MLB, how many, how many times do, does a new series start at Coors and the visiting team is still priced as if they were in Petco the, the day before? And it's like, I feel like that it's worse this year than it has been. I feel like in years past, they would Uber price them up at Coors. And this year, it feels like they're not doing it as much. Right. That's why I said the janitorial staff is in charge. Like, like, yeah. so understand where, where, where my perspective is coming from, where it's like, yeah. well, they're doing this on, they're testing this out. Like, dude, they can't even get the goddamn pricing right on the simple stuff. Yeah. You really think they're, 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 that's why when they're telling me, oh, we projected forward five years on the ecosystem, I don't buy any of this shit. You can't even get fucking soccer pricing right, right? Yeah. I mean, like I would be playing soccer and be like, "What? What? Like the team from the the, the Champions League team from Bulgaria that no one knows? They just priced down at forty five hundred dollars a player, even though they're a minus three hundred favorite, just because you have no data on the team because they don't play in the Premier League. They don't play in any of the other leagues that you normally have. And the person that came up with the pricing that day just said, "Fuck it." Right, it's like so. Don't tell me you're a data-driven company, and then we have teams that are mispriced. Guy, the guy is ruled out in NBA. The guy gets injured Saturday, literally in a game Saturday. It's been known that he's going to be out for three games, and 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 and, and you get to Monday. The, the Monday they're on the slate, and his backup center that's going to play 38 minutes is 3,400. Like, don't tell me you're data-driven. Don't tell me that. Like if you can't get that right, what the fuck else? How could you not get? I don't. Yeah. I don't trust you to get anything else right. I mean that's beneficial to us, but yes, I agree. Right. So like, it's not, not it's not be- not beneficial to them. Right, but that's like to me that's the proxy of. Yep. Like, dude, you can't be that stupid, right? Right. But they are. Uh, Fair. Neil, high stakes DFS podcast on. Check it uh, out. Awesomeo. Dot com. When, when I come on, I'm going to talk shit about Eric Mont. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll reverse it. That's a good idea. You, you know, we'll you know what the way I, I was thinking hour. during that episode? I was thinking that it's quite, it, you know how funny this is going to be? I think it's quite possible that when you have me on your podcast, you may speak more on that podcast than you do on this podcast, even though you'd be interested. For sure I will. Yeah, I think I think for sure that's going to happen because I'm going to be asking all the questions, leading the conversation. The guests, the yeah. guests are supposed to be talking the most, and it yeah. may turn out that the podcast where I'm a guest, I talk less, even with yeah. you on it. 
I think for sure that is going to happen. You're still going to talk more than me when you're the guest, but yeah, I think I think it'll be more evenly split because I'll be asking the questions. Right, exactly. I think yeah, <laughs> definitely likely. I was just listening to the going that it's going to be insane that I'm the interview subject <laughs> and you're going to have more words to say in that podcast than in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I think it's inevitable. Okay, at player QDFS on Twitter is Neil at BlenderHD. That's where I am on Twitter. And as always, the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com.